paper or, or a pen there, uh, and we'll be going there in just a moment. First Peter chapter 1 and uh, verse number 13, Peter says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I mentioned last Sunday night that in the years I've been in church, I've, I've, I can count on one hand the sermons I've heard on holiness, on the doctrine, on the subject of holiness. It's been called, uh, this doctrine has been called old-fashioned and outdated, even legalistic, but it is in the Word of God. And those that, I wrote this down, those that fight would fight against the doctrine of holiness are two things. They're either unsaved or they're not filled with the Spirit of God. Holiness is not a denomination. It is a doctrine. It is clearly taught throughout the Word of God. Now, the word holiness scares people automatically. You think of bobbed hair, long sleeve, and, and all that. But if you look up the word holiness in a, in, a dic- in a dictionary, it means being holy signifies a perfectly pure and complete moral character. How many knows we need some moral character in this land? A man is more or less as holy as his heart is more or less sanctified. In other words, holiness is not something that goes from without to within. Holiness is something that starts within and works without. Uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is not a Bible dictionary, it is a public educational dictionary, said this, that the word holy means hallowed, consecrated, or set apart for a special use or service to the worship of God. The word holy is found 546 times in the Bible. The word holiness is found 43 times, totaling 589 times. In 1,189 chapters, almost half the Bibles, uh, if you look in chapters, got this word holy or holiness in it. We're living in a day where the church is trying to mix the world, churches are trying to mix the world and the church together to try to win the world by becoming more appealing or attractive to the world. But this is not God's way of doing things. We dealt with that this morning. The word church means ecclesia. It means a called out assembly. We dealt with 2 Corinthians chapter 6 last week where the Lord said, uh, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. A.W. Tozer said that one cannot study the Bible diligently and earnestly without being struck with an obvious fact that the whole matter of personal holiness is highly important to God. Now let me just clarify what he said. He said you can't read the Bible too long or study it too long and not see that holiness is not an important thing to God. And so last Sunday night we preached out of 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 on the principle of holiness. What is holiness? We dealt with the character of God in verse number 15. But as He which has called you is holy. I want to remind that God has not called us to be like those around us. He has called us to be like Him. One writer said, Holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. You know, we talk about, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Well, the word Christian means Christ-like. It means one who lives like Christ. So if we're going to bear the name Christian, uh, then holiness is going to be a part of that. So that's the character of God. Then we talked about the calling of God, because as He which hath called you is holy. And I want to emphasize once again that holiness 
does not attain salvation. In other words, you can't do enough deeds, you can't clean up your life in order to make God love you and save you. No, salvation is a gift from God. Salvation is for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you look at the wording, because as he which hath called you. This is a past tense. In other words, he's writing to people in these verses that are already saved. They've already been called uh, from darkness to light. They've already been called from death unto life. And so since they are saved, uh, they are to live a life that is honorable uh, to the Lord. And so that is the calling of God and the character of God. But then there is the command of God. He says in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter is quoting uh, from Leviticus 11. He says, because it is written. He is quoting from Leviticus 11, verse 44. Here's what the Lord said. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 45, he goes on to say, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. What the Lord said in that verse is, I've got you out of Egypt, but now I want to get Egypt out of you. Egypt is a type and a picture of the world. He said, I brought you up out of Egypt. I, I saved you. I got you out of that. I got you. If you allow me to use the, the terminology, I got you out of the slavery of sin. Now, you don't need to live like an Egyptian. And so that is the principle of holiness. And as we continue this thought tonight, I want us to go to First Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I not only want to deal with the principle of holiness, but tonight I want to deal with the priority of holiness. One writer said, I quoted it last week, but I want to share it again. He said, God has called every Christian to a holy life. There are no uh, exemptions to this call. It is not only a call to pastors, missionaries, Sunday school teachers, deacons, but every Christian of every nation, whether rich or poor, learned or unlearned, influential or totally unknown, is called uh, to be holy. The word priority, I call it the priority of holiness, it means a precedence in place or rank. Holiness is not an option for the people of God. It's an order. It's an order. It's a command. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, Paul is dealing with that. And, and we're going to, i I got several verses I could read, but I'm just going to read the verses I go through the text. There's four things I want to say out of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 tonight about the priority of holiness. First of all, I want us to see the will of the Lord, the will of the Lord, or the will of God in this text. First of all, we notice the context of what Paul is writing. Look at verse number, look back at chapter 13 of 1 Thessalonians and the last verse, verse number 13. Here's what Paul said. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. In every chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul will mention the second coming. He's going to talk about the Lord coming again. And as I've been studying this over the last couple of weeks, it interests me that so many times holiness and the coming of the Lord are directly tied together. 
1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not Him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So he's writing to say, folks, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we do know that when we He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Now watch this. And every man that hath this hope. What hope? The hope that Jesus is coming again. Every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. I can't purify you tonight. I can preach the Word of God, but the Word of God says you're to purify yourself. It is a personal responsibility. That is the context. First John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Wouldn't it be awful to be ashamed at the coming of the Lord? I, I grew up around an older preacher and went to a ball game and that his son told this story about him. They at a ball game. And when I go to a ball game, I like to sit on the end aisle. That way, if you got to get out, you can get out. And you ain't got to walk out in, in front of 400 people on that aisle. I always make sure I book my tickets on the end. And this man was doing the same thing. And, you know, you got those guys out there selling popcorn and liquor and, and all that stuff. Well, this fella, about four rows down from this older preacher, had bought a beer. And the fella, this years ago, and actually people paid with cash. He handed. He said, "Sir, would you hand this money?" He said, "No, I ain't gonna hand you money to buy your beer. You have somebody else do it." And so he had stood up and handed the guy the money for the beer. And then the the guy selling the beer looked at the older preacher and said, "Hey, would you pass this beer can down to that fella?" He said, "I ain't gonna do it." He said, "Why?" He said, "The Lord could come back when I got this beer can in my hand. I'd have some explaining to do." <laughs> now I know you and I know better than that, but I do appreciate that man's sensitivity to not want to be involved in something that he would be ashamed of if the Lord come at that moment. You know, that's a good way to live your life. We ought not do anything that we'd be ashamed of uh, if the Lord was to come back at that moment. Amen. There is the context, but then notice the charge, chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Furthermore, then, furthermore, in light of what I just said about the coming of the Lord, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you received of us, how you ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. The purpose behind holiness is pleasing the Lord. Now remember, I'm not trying to please Him to be saved. I already am. I'm trying to please the Lord because I am saved. Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The word please means to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. There's only two options in this regard, pleasing the Lord or displeasing the Lord. You remember Enoch in Genesis chapter 5? The Bible said Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And you know what Hebrews 11 says? Before its translation, he had this testimony that he what? He pleased God. The next verse goes on to tell us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And whatsoever is not a faith is sin. There is the charge. But then notice the commandments in verse number 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Let's put our contextual hats on for a minute. He's not writing to the Jews here. He's writing to a church. So he's not talking about Moses' 613 laws of, you know, don't mix the linen and and wool together and, and all that kind of stuff. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. That's God's moral law. I mean, nobody ought to kill anybody. 
Amen. Unless it's for the purpose of war or self-defense. Amen. I do believe that. Nobody ought to commit adultery. Nobody ought to dishonor their father or mother. And on and on we could go. But you know, the Lord, when He was on earth, He comprised all the commandments, all the laws into two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. All those laws, all those commandments, He brought them down to two. You see, if I love the Lord right, I won't have any other gods before me. And if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to kill him, and I'm not going to commit adultery, and I'm not going to lie to him, I'm not going to steal from him. He brought all those things down. So no wonder John said his commandments are not grievous. Here's what he's saying. He said he's really not asking that much. Somebody said, well, God just put so much on me. No, no, no. He took a lot off of you when he sent his son to Calvary to pay the ultimate debt. He took a lot off. The least I can do is want to please Him and honor Him. He talks about the certainty in verse number 3. For this is the will of God. You know, everybody wants to do the will of God. I want to do the will of God. What is the will of God, preacher? It is, it is, the what, uh, it is what God wishes to be done. It's what God wants you to do, basically. That's what the will of God is. People said, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. Well, in this verse, it'll tell you, it involves cleanness. Verse number 3. Even your sanctification. The word sanctification is a big $400 word that we don't really use, but it means consecration. It means to be pure. It means to be set apart for the use of something. You realize that this, this pulpit, there is nothing special about the wood. It, it wasn't some tree that was, you know, had, had special powers and superpowers and somebody cut it down. No, it's just wood. And I believe brother, I believe brother Rick built the pulpit, if I'm not mistaken, or he had it. Did Rick build the pulpit, Janice? I, I thought he did. I thought he built the pulpit and communion table. So it's not special wood, but he he used, he sanded it down, he stained it, he crafted it, and this wood, this pulpit, and this communion has been set aside for the service of the Lord. It's been sanctified. It's been set apart. Amen. We don't eat off this. This is not for eating, amen. Uh, you know, women have so many interesting things. They have tables that you can't put no food on. A table is for the purpose of putting food on. Somebody help me. I mean, if you can't put a sandwich and a cold cold and a bag of chips on it, why do you have it? Amen. I mean, why? I'm going to tell you something else. A bed, I'm going to run this rabbit too, because I, I about had it. A bed is not made for pillows. It's made for sleeping. Fourteen pillars I counted on my bed the other day. Hey Amen. I'm rising a revolt. I'm going to start a strike and you men help me, all right? Hey Amen. I need two pillars to sleep with. That's all I need. I mean, I literally throw twelve pillars in the floor at night to go to bed. And then she gets mad at me because I don't know the secret combination to put them all back on. That has nothing to do with this verse, but I'm just mad about it. Hey Amen. What? It is chaos. Amen. I would say don't get married, but we have nothing to worry about. All right? It's set apart. This pulpit, this building is set apart for the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And my life ought to be set apart for the service of God. We have to work jobs. We have to live life. We understand that. But at the end of the day, my body does not belong to me. My life does not belong to me. The Lord purchased my life. My life to be set apart for Him. 
There's the conduct in verse 3, that ye should abstain from fornication. The word abstain means to hold oneself off, to refrain. We know what fornication is. It is the improper union of between unmarried individuals. And, he, and that fornication does not just call, it, it, it involves adultery. It involves, if you look it up, it even goes into sodomy. It even goes to, uh, we don't even like to think about this, but it's real bestiality and all that. He said you need to abstain from immoral activity. The word abstain means to stay away from it. That is the will of the Lord. But then notice the worth of our lives. Look at verse number 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. What a verse. Notice the knowledge that every one of you should know. Did you know there are some things you ought to know? There are some things that, that you just ought to know. Well, preacher, how do I know that study? To show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word know means to perceive. There's a knowledge in this verse, but then there's a keeping in this verse. How to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Of course, we've already defined sanctification. The word honor is what I'm interested in this verse. It means a valuing by which a price is fixed. In other words, this word honor means that you take care of something because of how valuable it is. I've got friends of mine uh, that are avid case knife collectors. I'm talking about thousands of dollars. I didn't know people paid as much for a case knife as what they do. I'm talking about i got guys that's got knives in their collection that you could pay your mortgage on. A couple of mortgages. I mean, they, and, and there's nothing wrong with having that. I just ain't going to pay that much for a pocket knife to clean my fingernails with, all right? I, th- I know those are knives you look at and all that. But they, are, they, are, they have a value. They just don't let anybody play with those, touch those, handle those. In fact, there's some of them I've held, and when I get done home, they got a cloth, and they're wiping them down. And done. That's good. Take care of that. Why do they do that? It's got a great price on it. It's got a great value on it. We're to possess our vessel, our body's the vessel, and sanctification and honor. You know why? Because a great price was paid for us. A high price was paid. The highest price. If we just go back to First Peter, we'd see what he paid. We were not redeemed of corruptible things, of such as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as the land without blemish and without spot. Hey, I'm telling you, the highest price was ever paid uh, was paid when Jesus Christ gave his life for us. So we ought to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. You know why? Me, I'm not worth anything, but I'm worth something to God. He paid a high price. And I, may I remind you, he got gypped on the deal. I mean, if anybody got a bad deal, he got a bad deal. Heaven's best for earth's worst. And we'd say, boy, he got a bad deal. But you know what he calls the church? He calls the church the pearl of great price. Amen. He calls the church his bride. Amen. I don't feel worthy. I'm not worthy. But thank God he thought I was worth it. So since he thought I was worth it, I ought to try to live up to that value. Now we understand I'll never, never, ever live up to the value that he paid for me in this body. In fact, one day I'm going to have to have a glorified body. Because I still have this flesh. I still sin. Amen. I've sinned today. Don't look at me like that like you ain't sinned today. You drove Okay? <laughs> You're married. You have kids. You have sin today. Josh Montgomery's your pastor. You have sin. Say amen, Patty. That's right. Amen. Sorry to wake you up. Go back to sleep now. All right? We've all sinned today. We've stumbled. And there's a lot of things we did we didn't mean to do. 
Now, there are sins that we deliberately disobey the Lord, but there's things like, man, I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said that. Come on now. You ever, you ever said something, the words come out of your mouth, you wish you'd catch them and throw them back in your mouth, but it don't happen. So I'm not saying you're going to live a perfect life or a sinless life, but I am saying we ought to live a life where we try to sin less. To abstain. To abstain. He goes back to that word, abstain. I don't do this. Once again, I want to emphasize, I don't do any of these things to be saved. I do it because I am saved. There's the will of the Lord, the worth of of our lives. But then notice the way we should live. Verse number five, just walking through these verses. Ought to live a controlled life. Verse number five. Not in the lust of con- con- that word, concupiscence. Amen. I can't don't laugh. You can't say it either. I know you can't. Amen. <laughs> Even as the Gentiles which know not God. I, I practiced that word in my office for 20 minutes today, and I'm going to get up here and can't say it. It's not a word we use, obviously, because I can't pronounce it. But it means a desire. I, I, can't, I can't pronounce it, but I can define it, all right? It means a desire, a craving, a longing for what is forbidden, from what is forbidden, concupiscence. Close enough. Matthew, can you say it? See, he can say it, all right? Mr. Educated back there. He had a, there's another word I have to point in him when I'm talking about. I like, say that word for me. He's got it. So now you got two. So when I hold two fingers, you know what I'm talking about, all right? But it, in other words, he said, you just got to tell your flesh no about some things. That's what he means. He said, don't live a life of lust for what you know you're not supposed to have. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. Now, you know, Paul talks about you can tame animals that you can't tame the tongue. Yeah, ain't it amazing? You can get a dumb dog, like the one I have, that ain't got a brain, but they know how to get a treat. They know what to do to get a treat. Judah loves to give Ellie a treat. What's bad is when she gives Ellie a treat and then she goes, uh, yeah. oh, don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's the third kid. You don't care. First kid, you're like, ooh, don't touch it. Don't look at third kid. Like, yeah, eat the dog biscuit. Ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I'd have known what I knew when we had that. So we was buying all the expensive formula, the most expensive diapers. Now with Judah, <laughs> thanks to Joe Biden, we just got to get any kind of formula, any kind of diapers. We don't care. She survived, all right? It's all a conspiracy anyway. I'm just mad about it. They ain't amazing. You can get that dog to sit, to roll over. If you give it a treat, they'll do that. Even the dumb one that we have, even though Eric thinks he's a smart dog. If he likes it so much, he ought to take her home, right? But here's my point. We can tame a dog, but we can't tell our flesh no. I said we, including myself, we ought to live our life, a controlled life. For some of us, and y'all pray for me, but some of us, it's, not drink as many soft drinks or eat as much sugary stuff. I haven't cut that out completely, but I am doing better. My name is Josh Montgomery. Hi, Josh. That's why I feel like I'm at right now. Don't look at me. you got something that you eat that ain't good for you either. All right? We're Baptists. Everybody's got something. And we don't like people that are healthy. We don't like you. Amen. There's the control life. But you know, you got to keep your body. Bring it into subjection. Tell it no. We laugh about sugar. We laughed about soft drinks. But I tell you, there's some things, if you don't learn to say no, it'll ruin your life and ruin your family and ruin your home. If you don't say no, we're not, I'm not watching that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. You've, one preacher said he used to get up in the morning and scare his wife half to death. He'd walk and look in the mirror and go, no! 
What? Imagine waking up that at 6.30 every morning. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Looking at himself. And what was he doing? He's telling his flesh, no. I'm not going to do what you want to do. I'm going to try to live a life. that is. I said it this morning. The spirit-filled life is living an obedient life to the Word of God. If the Bible says it's wrong, then I shouldn't be doing it. If the Bible says it's right, then that's what I should be doing. He wants to live a controlled life, but then we need to live a correct life. Look at verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, beca- matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forward warned you and testified. Here's what he's saying. If you live a holy life, you're going to treat your brother right. You're going to treat your sister right. Uh, you're, going to treat the, you're going to treat the church right. You're going to treat your fellow man right. Holy, as I said, begins on the inside and will work its way out. Then he's going to live. Then there's the called life. Look at verse seven. I only got two verses. I'm done. The called life. Look at verse seven. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Remember, I'm preaching on the priority of holiness. He called us out in salvation. We are called from darkness to light. Second Peter, First Peter two nine. But now he's called us not unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Right there's the two options. I can either live a life that is unclean. And live a life that's holy. That's the only. There's no in between. There's no like. Eh, there's no gray area. It's either unclean or it's holy. I want to live that called life. You know, we respond. If you're saved, you respond to the call of salvation. How will you respond to the call of holiness? How will you respond? How will I respond when God says, "No, we don't need to do that." No, you don't need to watch that. No, you don't need to say that. You don't need to think that. God, and I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but your desire ought to be right. You ought not purposely, men, we ought not purposely do things that aggravate our wives. Like breathe. Amen. I told, I said something about doing something tomorrow with Eric, and Eric said, and Grace said, well, it's Eric and Carolyn's anniversary. She may want to spend the day with Eric. I said, Carolyn wants to spend the day with Eric about as much as you want to spend the day with me. <laughs> All right? So me and Eric are going to hang out tomorrow and lay floor. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is we ought not purposely do things to aggravate. My wife hates when I leave the bathroom fan on. Don't you? And I hate when she leaves a spoon of peanut butter in the sink. I, and I, I, and we both didn't try to do better. She's been doing better, but she ain't been eating peanut butter here lately. But y'all not purposely do things. Those are trivial things. Man, if there's something you know, man, fellas, it's not good to talk about your old girlfriends in front of your wife. <laughs> Come on, fellas, help me out, all right? I know you think you are Casanova, but you're not, okay? <laughs> More like casserole. Uh, but what I'm saying is y'all not do purposely do things to offend or hurt her. Ladies, y'all do the same thing. My wife shouldn't talk about my weight. <laughs> what I'm saying tonight is y'all not purposely do things that we know is going to offend the Lord. I said it this morning. Everybody's... Everybody's worried about offending somebody, but nobody's worried about offending the Lord. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to purposely offend anybody. I don't want to purposely hurt anybody. If it's in the Word of God, I can't help that. But I realize in my attitude, my spirit, my day-to-day life, you can do something that offends somebody and hurts somebody. And by the way, everybody who's ever been hurt has hurt somebody. It's a two-way street. We ought not purposely desire to do that. But how much more should we not purposely desire to hurt the Lord and offend Him? That's what He said. He's not called us in the uncleanness but in the holiness. So there is the will of the Lord. There is the worth of our lives. There is the way we should live. 
But it's interesting that Paul knew he was writing to Baptists because he talks about a worldly lamentation. Look at verse 8. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth what? Holiness. That's what, that's what the last word is in verse 7. He said, he, that despise, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Paul knew that he was writing to someone in that congregation and say, well, I just don't think that holiness is a big deal. He said, notice, notice the rejection. He therefore that despises. This word despises means to do away with. It means to set aside or disregard. In other words, I just don't think that's important. Well, you know, the Lord said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So every word is important. And Paul said, I know there's going to be somebody there who's going to say, well, I don't think that's important. There's the reality, though. He said, if you despise it, you, just, you don't despise He said, you despise it, not man. He said, you don't have a problem with me. He said, but God, who hath also given us His Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people, and I've, I've preached it before, they, they hate the church. I said it this morning, actually. Boy, they hate church. They hate Christians. They don't hate church. They don't hate Christians. They hate God. And they take it out on the church. They take it out on Christians. The reality is they don't have a problem with me. They don't have a problem with you. They don't have a problem with the church as a whole. They have a problem with God. Well, preacher, I don't think holiness is important. You're not despising me. You're not hurting me. Paul said you're despising the Lord. Well, wouldn't that be awful to reject the Lord? I don't care what you think, Lord. I don't care what you say, Lord. I don't care what your word says. In closing, A.W. Tozer said, in this, in this priority of holiness, I thought this quote summed this thought up. A.W. Tozer said, Every man is as holy as he wants to be. The, the area, and we're not going to compare ourselves with ourselves, but whether, where, wherever we are on the holiness chart tonight, we're there because that's as far as we want to go. I said this last Sunday night. Everybody gets nervous, including myself, preaching a sermon like this and preaching a series on holiness because we're all afraid of what, what is God going to make me quit. We don't want to admit that, but that's the reality. What am I going to have to quit? Am I going to have to quit watching that? Am I going to quit wearing that? Quit doing that? Quit saying that? But it ought to be, you know what? If it really bothers the Lord, I don't want to offend Him. If we do not plan to be holy, you won't be holy. If we do not prioritize to be holy, you won't be. If we don't make it a, we don't make it important. If we're not passionate about being holy, then we, won't, then we will not be holy. Once again, I want to emphasize: holiness does not attain salvation. This is after salvation. That's why I'm preaching this on Sunday nights, because mostly Sunday mornings I preach gospel message to the lost, majority of the time. Sunday nights to the church. This is to the believers tonight. God wants to live a life set apart and holy to the Lord. But if we don't prioritize, you ain't going to wake up in the morning and say, "Woo, I am holy." That ain't going to happen. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to try. Just like you ain't going to wake up in the morning and lose 30 pounds unless you've been sick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, man, I want to lose weight, but not that way, all right? And you ain't just going to wake up in the morning. You ain't going to be a Bible reader. You ain't just going to wake up in the morning and be a, a prayer warrior. You ain't going to wake up in the morning and be all these great things. You know what you got to do? You got to prioritize. Every day, I'm going to read my Bible. Every day, I'm going to pray. Every day I'm going to try to find somebody to tell about the Lord. Make it a priority. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. May God help us to prioritize holiness in our life. Amen.
Let's stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthews won't come.